Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey friends, today we're trying something we haven't done before. For the very first time, I've invited back a previous guest to find out what has happened since our initial interview two years ago. If you'd like to go back and listen to that initial interview before diving into this one, go to the November 14, 2019 episode, A Throbbing in My Nether Regions with Michelle. I've put a link to it in the show notes, and then come back here to listen to Michelle's update. For those of you who just want to dive in, here's where we left Michelle two years ago. She was in a monogamous, mostly sexless marriage with her wife of 17 years. She identified strongly as a lesbian, and it was a key part of how she perceived herself. But all that began to crumble when she met a man who excited her in a way she hadn't experienced in a long time. When we recorded that conversation two years ago, she had begun talking with her wife about how to explore her potential bisexual interests. Now, I'm not going to give you the standard intro to Michelle with all her biographical details, because she says it so well herself at the beginning of this conversation. All I'll tell you is that she is a 44-year-old Black cisgender woman. If you like this type of where are they now interview, let me know who you'd like to catch up with from previous episodes, and I'll do my best to make it happen. And now, for the second time, I'm so pleased to introduce Michelle. Michelle. I'm so excited to have you back. Um, as you probably know, I almost never do repeat guests. Mm -hmm. However, when we did your first interview two years ago, <laughs> you are at this moment of potential transformation. Mm -hmm. And I had said to you at that time, we should catch up again in a year. Then mm -hmm. the pandemic hit. <laughs> it's been more than a year. But I have to tell you that I was actually um, talking with a group of other podcasters maybe a month ago, a month or two ago, mm -hmm. and everybody was asking each other about favorite episodes. And when they asked me, yours was the episode that <laughs> I mentioned. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And um, I was telling them, like, you had had identified as a lesbian for most of your life. And then all of a sudden you were in this moment where maybe you were interested in a guy. And this was like kind of mind blowing for you and trying to figure out mm -hmm. who you were and what you wanted. And they were like, well, have you done the follow-up with her yet? Because we want to hear it. <laughs> and so 
That's awesome. <laughs> Even though you and I had been periodically in touch, we'd never actually sat down to do the interview. So finally, here we are. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. It's yes. good to be back. Thank you. Yes. And I think having read between the lines of a couple of your messages, I think I have some idea of where this might be going, but honestly, I don't know really anything. So let's go back to that moment where we last spoke. You were sort of exploring the idea of what it might be to get involved with a man for the first Mm -hmm. time in a very long time. Start there and take us to today. <laughs> well, um, it's funny because like I had just recently listened to that previous episode just to remember what the hell it was I said. <laughs> I was like, I'm such a goofball. But um, you know, I, I just remember being in that that place of kind of struggling with identity and, and not knowing, you know, which way I was going or what I was anymore and all that. And I'm happy to report I am very settled in my identity at this point. Wow. Um, I am, it's a, what I feel is a very thorough description um, of my identity, and it often confuses people. So I just say I'm queer. But, <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> but it's the simplest thing. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, the full uh, description that I give people, and then I'm always happy to um, answer questions about it, is that I am a homo romantic, bisexual, sadomasochistic dominant leaning switch wow i love that (laughs) i love how clear that is Mm -hmm. and that there are some really important delineations in there yes indeed and um it it, it's been the almost the entirety of these two years since we talk um that i've been you know exploring and and reading and interacting and things that have helped shine a light on that and give clarity to it and also make me feel extremely at peace um and and very certain you know recognizing that things are fluid and they change and that's okay and that wasn't a place that i was at before Mm -hmm. that it was okay for things to change yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I think about like this episode of uh, Sex in the City back in the day. And, uh, you know, I've watched, you know, old programs and just hearing how, you know, kind of transphobic they are and, and homophobic and queerphobic and all that in their comedy and things that they said, because back in like the 90s or so, that would be considered funny and we know better now. Yeah. Um, but I think about like, you know, the episode of Second in the City where they were out uh, at lunch and they were talking about Ricky Martin and that he had just come out as bisexual. And they were like, isn't that a layover to gay town or, or it was some mm-hmm. joke, you know, mm-hmm. like that. And it's just always this idea. And I was kind of raised up on it that bisexuality wasn't a thing. Yeah you were one or you were the other and if you were in the middle you were confused you just hadn't made your mind up or you were selfish selfish you, yes you know, <laughs> you know all that kind of stuff yeah. and just how damaging that is and how much we internalize that mm-hmm. and now i just recognize that i mean that is a part of my identity yeah so let's start from the beginning of your self identification can you talk a little bit about what being homo romantic and Mm -hmm. bisexual means to you? Um, It's funny because I I think about how I would talk about, you know, this idea of getting, you know, physical with men and maybe having an attraction to them, but not having an emotional connection to them. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and just being like, hey, yeah, let's get on the bed, strip, let's do this. I <laughs> holla. Like I just like, <laughs> like I, you know, I'll just see you, you know, later. Hit me up later when you want to do this thing. But my uh, emotional attachments are gonna be with women. And that's what confused me because I was like, that's what's leading me to feel like a confused lesbian Mm -hmm. because I'm like, emotionally, I still love women. You know, I still only love women. I still Mm -hmm. only think about building a life with women. Um, I don't think about that with men at all. And so to be homo romantic and bisexual means I'm capable of feeling this uh, sexual attraction, you know, to both. And and to not be embarrassed or ashamed by that and, and be fooled into thinking it, it's not there just because I don't want it. It's inconvenient for me. Mm, um, yeah. It's, you know, that attraction is there. But homoromantic means that I am going to pretty much reserve my emotional bonds to the women that I engage with. Yeah. you know, and not so much the men. So when we last spoke, there was um, a lot of friction for you around your sexual relationship with your wife. Mm-hmm. Where does that lay now? Oh, goodness. Yeah, she is it's still absolutely the love of my life. Mm. But this discovery process has been extremely rough on us. We got back into uh, couples counseling and things because and it was one of the things in the in the previous uh, episode was, you know, I had had this extreme sexual attraction to a man that I had wished that I could have for her. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one thing to explain. Uh, it's difficult to say, hey, I have this attraction, you know, to this other person. And that's difficult because it's it's a guy. Right. It's even more difficult when you have that for another woman, mm-hmm. because it's almost like a reverse one penis policy kind of thing like you can you can you know engage with this other person so long as they're the opposite sex of me they can't be Mm -hmm. the same sex as me and if they are then it's a problem and so um in my discovery of of the other parts of my identity um the the kink related parts that has kind of raised um other issues to the point you know we got into it was just really rough couples therapy. And we were just trying to figure out if we were going to stay married mm-hmm. or not at this, at this point, we've been together 19 years wow. and um, you know, and it's hard. You build this whole life together and then you think what the hell. And a friend of mine was telling me like women initiate divorce at such a high rate, you know, when they're in their forties mm-hmm. and it's just because they have all these realizations and what they're going to deal with and what they're not going to deal with anymore. Mm-hmm. And then the forties come and then they're like, I'm out. To find actual happiness in this quest for me to find my identity and find happiness and all of that. That's been one of my struggles is feeling like I've kind of upended what we thought was stability and happiness in our marriage that was really kind of shielding the sexual difficulty part. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were just like, are we going to stay together? Are we going to get divorced? And part of our communication around that was just my wife being like, you know what? I am not leaving. Mm. Whatever, you know, you're going through or whatever, we're going to have to figure it out because I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving this marriage. And I'm like, thank you because I don't want you to. But there is this part of me that exists and I can't live in that denial anymore because I denied that for way too long. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where we are right now. 
So I guess that sort of begs the question of whether you've opened your relationship sexually and what your sexual relationship is, if any, with your wife at this point. Um, it's kind of non-existent at this point, um, in terms of with my wife, we have opened our relationship over several difficult conversations because, you know, around a year or so ago, I began digging into, uh, BDSM Mm -hmm. and it was, it started off as just kind of like this really, really exciting thing that I was just interested in. And like, I went to this, uh, kind of demonstration thing that happened here in my town. And the woman who was leading it is a professional dominant. Mm -hmm. And um, she was doing this like giggly fun thing where it's just like, Hey, everybody, if you want to get spanked, you know, come up here and, (laughs) and, and I'll give you a spanking or whatever with her flogger. Right. So everybody runs up there. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I run up there and to the table and I lean over the table with all everybody else just there to have a good time. Right. So she's, you know, whooping up on the people. It's like two, three women before me and she's whooping up on them. And I'm like, oh, shoot. So I'm wearing these jeans and I'm like, we all in here doing this thing. Let me pull my pants down so I can like <laughs> yes. so I can really feel the flogger, you know, yeah. against myself. let me do this. So she hits me. And I don't know what it, it seemed like there was something really, I don't know if she felt the energy from me or she saw something different in me or whatever. But when I, when I first walked in, like she walked over straight to me and gave me a hug. Hmm. And I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> but um, so I get up there and when she gets to me, she hits me. What I felt was harder mm-hmm. than everybody else. And I was like, oh goodness. And she starts wailing on me or whatever. And, but then she would mix it with this sensual kind of touch in the middle. Yeah. And it was doing this thing. I didn't know what was happening, but what was happening was that I was being driven into subspace mm-hmm. and didn't know that. And so, so let's just, just pause here for a second. Sure. What did that feel like for you? What does subspace feel like for you? I felt like I was floating outside of my body, out in space, in the darkness of space, where all I could do was feel, mm-hmm. but not be aware or see anything not be aware of anything really that was going on, just sensations. Yeah. And um, that combined with at one point, she like grabbed my face and like yanked it to the side and like, it just fed into every fantasy yeah. I had. And so, <laughs> but, uh, and all she did was whisper, are you okay? And I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm good. But I realized afterwards that I probably should have asked her to stop because you know, I was, I was going into subspace and it's hard to come back from that. But I recognized that at that point I wanted uh, anything to get her to keep going. Mm-hmm. I would have said like, do anything you want. I would do anything. Right. And so it was such an amazing feeling. She just kept wailing on me and then mixing it with this touch. And I, it just, it, fucked my mind up. Yeah. Was there <laughs> any negotiation between the two of you before she started? No, because it was just meant to be a giggly, everybody run up there and get spanked. Yeah, right. And and up until we got to me, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. For everybody else. It's just like wham, 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 and, you know, pull their pants up or whatever, and then go back and sit down. Yeah. And then it got to me, and I had a completely different reaction than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then she went on to the rest of the women. And I recognized that I was shaking when I was trying to pull my pants back up. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk. Mm. back to my seat but I didn't want to 
pass out and make anybody freak out. And so I was like, get it together, get it together. Now, I mean, before that, I had gotten to play with some subs and hit them with, you know, floggers and all that thing. And I was like, hey, I can really do this. And whole, <laughs> like whole mood, it changed. And I was like, yes, like whole way I was sitting changed. It really fed into this thing that I had. And so I was like, okay, cool. I can be a dom. Cool. And then it was like that. And I was like, let me just feel what this feels like to be a sub for mm. a minute, get a spanking. And it felt completely different. Mm. The impact on me and my body and my mind was completely different. So I managed to struggle back to my seat and I was shaking and I didn't stop. Shaking. She just went on and was spanking everybody. Everybody went on fine. <laughs> Nobody had the reaction I did. Yeah. And so afterwards I flagged her down because she was just, you know, going around talking to people and stuff, flagged her down and she sat on my lap really flirtatiously. <laughs> And I remember like feeling, I was like, oh my gosh, she's got the softest thighs I've ever felt in my fucking life. <laughs> like, why are you doing this? So she's like, she's like rubbing on my like neck and everything like that, just being really flirtatious. And I just grabbed her hands to stop them. Like, I can't focus when you do that. Yeah. But I was like, <laughs> well, I was like, can you, can, I can't stop shaking. What What's happening? And she mm-hmm. was like, okay, so let me get you some water. Mm-hmm. You have to hear my voice and listen to me when I say you are here. The moment is done. Mm-hmm. You are here. You're okay. You know, and it was like, she was just talking to me and she got me a snack and stuff like that. And it helped me to just sit there and start calming down because I wouldn't have been able to drive home at that point um, from the event. So for people who are not familiar with BDSM um, scenes, and you may talk about this more later, but I want to just flag that that is what we mean when we talk about aftercare. Aftercare. Is um, helping the sub come back into their body, helping them come back into the right, into this moment and to feel safe and present and grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I was terrified mm-hmm. because what I realized when I went to go sit back in my seat was that I had no idea who was there with me anymore. I was in a room full of people mm-hmm. and no idea who was there anymore, how many people were there, what they looked like, what they were wearing, anything. Didn't know what the room would look like anymore. It was like I was totally out of my mind, mm-hmm. like didn't know where I was totally confused and was not anticipating that that was going to happen. And by all intents, I mean, it it didn't happen to anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I think that it maybe just kind of fed this desire I had had for a really long time and didn't realize that I had it. So when you say that that's a desire you'd had for a long time, do you know what that desire was? To be, I, I felt like as dominant as a person as I am in my everyday life, that I wanted to be dominated. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be extremely stressful, you know, with my job at the time, just running projects and things like that. It can be really stressful to be the one in charge and everything. And I, I needed to have that stress taken from me. Mm-hmm. I needed to be relieved of responsibility and, and, and just to be dominated. In that way, it had been a, a desire that I had actually for years. And then to actually kind of feel an element of that mm-hmm. really kind of just took off like a rocket for me. And so that was what told me, so you can be a sub. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like at that one thing I got to test out being a dom and being a sub. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, I like both. And they both feed me in completely different ways. Yeah. Completely different ways. So how Um, does being a dom feed you? It's interesting because since that, that, um, that workshop was like in January, February of last year. And after that point, I got to, you know, talking to a woman and everything and, and ended up getting into kind of a dynamic, not kind of, it is a dynamic where she's, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm her dom, she's my sub, but it's like kind of bedroom stuff only. It's not 24 seven. It's not TPE. Yeah. But, um, I have learned such an incredible amount about myself just from those interactions and it feeds a natural caregiver that I have in me but I I have an interest in receiving and causing pain Mm -hmm. and um, never really had thought much about that or even like what that meant or, or what it said about me and did it say anything about me or anything like that but it being able to be a dominant it's a it's an incredible power rush incredible power rush but it it's also got this thing where it's i know i am helping to fulfill the fantasies of someone who wants that from me yeah. so it's it's also like being like a service to them. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like offering a service to them. Yeah. And that's the thing that we get in the cultural conversation around BDSM as it is currently happening. And, you know, all right, quick rant, 50 shades of gray. (laughs) Oh my God. Was great (laughs) in bringing this conversation into the mainstream. Right. But fuck, <laughs> that was Listen. the worst kind of demonstration of what a dynamic should look like. That was fucking abusive mm-hmm. because in that dynamic, he said, we're going to do what I want to do. Fuck what you want to do. And if you, if you ever need to safe word, I'm out, we're done. <laughs> that is some fucking bullshit because like you said the dom is there to serve the needs and desires of the sub Mm -hmm. are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense but I need help applying it to my particular situation. That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like 
expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. There's so many people out there masquerading as dominance. And it's all about, you know, serve me and what I want sexually. And I'm just like, yeah, that just feels gross. Yeah. And um, that was one of the other things about the Shades of Grey is just how predatory it was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he was towards her. The one thing that I really enjoyed, because I watched it after I'd already started, like, talking to people and going mm-hmm. to munches and, and things like that, reading and stuff like that. But um, one of the things I will say that I enjoyed was the negotiations with the contract. Mm-hmm. scene you know what I mean like she was acting like goofy and like they played her character up all immature and everything like that but I did appreciate the discussion mm-hmm. of the contract that you know okay I'm not with that let's cross that out let's yada 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 because I feel like that's something that a lot of uninformed dominance fail to talk about or do and a lot of uninformed uh subs they don't research enough about that yeah. kind of thing. So I thought it, I felt like it did that right, but generally that movie was trash. God, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> like I couldn't watch any of the other parts. I was just like, nope, I'm done. I am done. You know? I, I haven't even watched the movies. I've skimmed through the books because that was the best. Like that was as much as I can do. It was so awful. But yeah. Um, yeah. So. Oh God, I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> okay, so you you've mentioned that you have an ongoing dynamic where you're a dom with mm-hmm. a sub. Do you have any dynamics where you are a sub to someone else's dom? This is the interesting thing. Okay. Because my my sub is also a switch. Oh. And so and so she what she gets from me being a dom is because she has to be so dominant in her own life and it allows her a place to feel safe mm-hmm. and be free and let loose and I'm um, you know after hearing like uh, you know I have a friend who had such a, an interest in um in BDSM and uh, unfortunately the first person she engaged with was her girlfriend, her still current girlfriend who only had watched 50 shades of gray Mm. and took that to mean she could be a dominant, but was extremely abusive Mm -hmm. and was got upset at her for using a safe word and touched her in a way she had already said she did not want to be touched. It was awful. It was awful. And so just knowing that these things exist, I am really glad. It's not to say that I'm perfect because I'm new, you know, as a, as a dom, but I, I also respect life and boundaries. And I think that's very important. Um, and so that helps me to be a good dom. And so, you know, my sub is, is often said how 
fortunate she feels that I was the one that she ran into for her first experience with that. But, you know, she has an interest in playing with being a dom, but she more loves being so. Mm -hmm. But because she knows that I have that desire to be submissive at some point, um, I let her practice, but it's hard because I'm her dominant. So at any point in time, <laughs> I'll, like, I'll just arrest, you know, control back, you know, and she's just like, damn it. Like, <laughs> you know, but. Do you ever play with the dynamic where I'm your dom, so I am going to order you to dom me? Like, hmm. is that the dynamic? It doesn't start out that way. Um, it kind of morphs into that, uh-huh. but where I find she is the most successful in dominating me is when it's just sexual activity without the BDSM component. Uh, okay. Because it's like, it's hard for me as your dominant to turn around and view you as my dominant or my top, you know, yeah. at the time, um, in that way. And if I see a weakness, I'm going to jump in there, but, um, <laughs> you know, but, but when we're just together sexually, that is where I find that my desire to be dominated comes out most mm-hmm. without the official, let me give you orders, you know, da, 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 kind of, you know, dom speak. Um, it's just, let me fold your body in this way and, you know, (laughs) touch you in this way. And, and, and and my, you know, my, my desire to be topped in that way really comes out then. Mm -hmm. So she gets to kind of explore in a variety of different ways. So we've been using this term BDSM fairly loosely, given that those four letters encompass a huge amount of activity. So Mm -hmm. what are the activities that you participate in that you particularly enjoy? Impact play, bondage and impact play are my absolute, in a short amount of time, I've I've gathered quite a few toys, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, because I just, oh gosh, my favorite is um, vampire gloves. Oh, man, those are amazing um it was and it was funny because like I got a a pair for my sub that only gets used on her the pair that I have only gets used on me bang one before I'd really kind of dived into into all of this this whole world and stuff um my wife and I were kind of looking at some things and we went to a store and everything and I was like I heard about vampire gloves I want to get them went to this uh leather shop you know, got some, she took the gloves out. They let her try them on mm-hmm. so she could see if they fit. She got these freaky monkey, monkey fingers. They're super <laughs> duper long. And so she wanted to make sure that the medium gloves fit her. So she put one on and then she grabbed my wrist. Mm-hmm. And when she grabbed my wrist, I was just like, Oh God. And I just fell on my knees. <laughs> and she told, she turns to the guy. She's like, we'll take these. <laughs> And so, but it was just like, it. I had never felt a sensation like that before. And those have quickly become some of my favorites, but anything about mixing pe- pleasure and pain, yeah, you know, everything and edging and, you know, forced orgasms and, mm-hmm. and things like, love that shit. Love I'm going to need to do a, a glossary for this right? particular episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey friends, just a quick break in here to tell you that there are links in the resources section of the show notes if you're interested in learning more about vampire gloves, flogging, edging, and forced orgasms. Also, so I don't have to interrupt the conversation again in a little bit, you'll hear Michelle refer to a doctor talking about relationship dynamics. That person is Esther Perel, and you'll find a link to her work in the resources as well. Okay, back to Michelle. What's wild to me is, you know, when I went back and listened to that previous episode where I just said I am almost puritanical about sex, Mm. to compare that to now, how I feel about it and how I've engaged with it and and what I've found I I want and need and everything like that. It's night and day. Mm -hmm. And this is the area where it gets tough for me and my wife, because my whole sexual life, I felt like as if two Michelles existed. And there has never been a way to marry them. Mm -hmm. and there was this one Michelle that existed that was not interested really in sex at all was interested in the experience of it like yeah let's do this let's you know whatever and finding the interesting things about it but the sexual feelings of it wasn't really interested and then there was the other Michelle that like if on a dance floor I felt like the center of attention, the sexiest person in the room, mm. just exuding sex and calling all people to me and like this sexual person. And then when I was having sex and it felt really good, like I was insatiable. There was never enough to the point that my wife was like, nobody can go as long as you can. Mm. Yeah, I can't keep going as long as you can, which made me feel like I there was something wrong with me and I was never going to get what I fully needed from sex. Um, And so it was like this disconnect of how can this person exist and also this person exist at the same time. And so what I found when my wife and I were first um, exploring was we tried when it seemed like kink was my thing, we tried to incorporate that. I knew that I was dominant leaning. And what my wife would do, because it takes a lot to get into that headspace, mm-hmm. right? As a dominant, it takes a lot to get into that headspace. My wife would keep wanting to switch it and it would mess up my concentration. And that frustrated me mm-hmm. because her being dominated is not what she wants. Mm. So there was a disconnect. And what I found was that I had no interest really in regular sex, in what they call vanilla sex. Mm-hmm. I didn't have an interest in in that. My interest solely was in sex with a BDSM or kink element to it. And if it didn't have that, I wasn't really interested, which helped me to figure out why my whole life I never really was interested in sex. Yeah. Because like, you know, BDSM and kink was like totally like underground. Mm hmm. Only weirdos did that kind of yeah. thing. You know, people walked around in leather and they went to these clubs and it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so, you know, normal, good society people mm-hmm. didn't even engage in this kind of thing. And so there was no way for me to really learn about it and stuff and all of that. And it was really discouraged. And my wife and I have had that conversation where it's just like, she's not interested yeah. in BDSM and kink sex. 
And so I don't want to go too far in her story because that's hers to tell. But I, just in terms of your relationship, is she getting Mm -hmm. her sexual needs met by other people as well? She is. Um, And we had that conversation. We've had a lot of conversations. It's been extremely difficult. But if I can't get interested in sex without that element, but she's not interested in that element, we actually got into a tug of war or kind of a debate slash argument because she's like, I can't introduce that into my sex until we're actually having sex. Mm. And I'm like, but I can't get sexually into sex and start sex without that. Mm-hmm. So it's like a chicken and egg struggle. Yeah. And we never were able to figure that out. And so it was just the thing of like, she, and she, she's been with a couple of different people. Mm-hmm. The issue with her is just the amount of time and attachment that I have with my sub is not something she's comfortable with Mm. because her thing is, I understand that this person feeds you in a way that I am not interested Mm -hmm. in feeding you. And I want you to have that. But if another person is going to get your sex, the one thing I demand is that I be the one to have your love. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a person who's getting both, what do I have? Mm. And my thing is, there is no competition here. This person does not want to take your place. I love you with my whole everything. Yeah. This area we have never connected on, but that doesn't mean I want to replace you. I want you to leave anything like that. I want you to get what you need, but you can't ask me to dump off this perfect partner for me for kink. Cause I've heard the horror stories and then, you know, things like that. We are perfectly suited for each other for what we do. And, you know, just hear how difficult it is for people to find yeah. a good partner that they can then trust mm-hmm. and allow themselves to be vulnerable with and who will trust them and things like that. I have that. And you want me to get rid of her because you are uncomfortable with the fact that I also care about her. I have been very clear. I am not in love with myself. I love her, but I am not in love with her. So it sounds to me like um, there's a distinction for you between being romantic versus being attached. You are attached to your sub without being romantic with her. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important distinction that not everyone will be able to make and not everyone will understand, but there are some people who will think, oh my God, thank you for like delineating Mm -hmm. that for me because I get it. Mm-hmm. Like we are like friends uh, and I love her to death and everything like that. But I'm always clear with her mm-hmm. um, about where I am romantically, emotionally speaking. Mm-hmm. There's only so much I can give. I know my bandwidth without trying to stretch myself super thin to try and give too much. And, and still it's been struggle just between the two of them yeah. in trying to be everything you know, to both of them. But I just, it's a hard conversation to have, you know, with my wife where she's just like, I demand that you cut this person off, but 
at this point, I've already engaged with this person so much and what she gives me is so amazing to me and feels so like nothing else I've ever experienced. And you want me to cut that off because you are angry, insecure. I don't know what, but I'm telling you, I'm not going anywhere. I haven't changed the way I treat you. I haven't changed the way I love you or anything like that. And you just want me, that's not fair to me. Mm -hmm. And just to have these conversations about what's fair and what's not fair to each other has been a struggle. Yeah. And it's got to be really scary, you know, to have been in this love relationship with someone for such a long time, you're coming up Mm -hmm. on two decades together And then it's like, suddenly the script has changed. And even if she wasn't completely satisfied with the old script, because the (laughs) two of you weren't having sex that she wanted to have that script completely changed. That's scary. It is. It is. And I try to always be mindful of that. Are you ready for easy access to birth control? Me too. That's why I'm so excited about Planned Parenthood Direct, Planned Parenthood's app. You can use the app to get birth control prescribed and mailed right to your home or sent to your pharmacy for pickup. You can also communicate directly with licensed Planned Parenthood doctors and nurses and learn about different types of birth control to figure out which one is right for you because we're all different. Insurance isn't required and birth control starts at only $20 a pack. In some states, you can even get UTI treatment and emergency contraception through the app. You can download the Planned Parenthood Direct app from the App Store or Google Play Store. It's currently available in 39 states plus DC, and if it's not in your state yet, sign up to be notified of new state launches on PlannedParenthoodDirect.org. Links are in the show notes. Accessible and affordable, convenient birth control is huge. So if you use birth control, download Planned Parenthood Direct today. Today's episode is sponsored by Kindra. Kindra is a self-care company that makes estrogen-free essentials to support people who experience the hormonal changes of menopause. Their best-selling product is a daily vaginal lotion that comes with a revolutionary reusable applicator and dramatically relieves vaginal dryness. This intimate lotion is formulated with skin-soothing humectants and critical vitamins like niacinamide that can improve the appearance of inflammation and rebuild moisture over time. Plus, after just three days of use, 80% of users said it feels like natural lubrication and reported improvement in discomfort during intimacy. So try out Kendra using code GOODGIRLS20 for 20% off your first purchase. That link and code are in the show notes on the app you're listening on right now. And please let me know. I'd love to hear how it works for you. 
there was a point when we first started me and my sub where my wife was like, okay, I'm cool with this because this is casual kind of thing. I'm cool with this. And, and there was no grief. There were no difficult conversations. There were no arguments or anything like that. And it felt for the first time in my life, like these two separate parts of Michelle came together as one. Mm. And I got to exist as one full, complete being with all my interests, all of them the same person, body, being, everything. And, and my wife and I started having way more sex. Mm. So it was like, because it was, I would, I would be just like, just turned on. It's like, hey, let's do this. But then it became an issue of you're only wanting to have sex with me because you're turned on by her. Mm. And it's just like, oh my God, like, but we're, we're having such great sex now. Yeah. Like, can we, can't we just keep having the sex? You know, but then it became like, you spend too much time interacting with your sub and I'm not comfortable with that. And then it became all this issue and everything like that, that, one brief point where I felt one where these both sides came together began to fracture again mm. and then it was like okay now I'm back being two different versions of myself yeah depending on what part of my life I'm living and that's been very difficult yeah so where do you imagine I mean, normally this question would be five years, but good Lord, you've, you've moved so much in two years. <laughs> so if you were to look a year or two into the future, where do you imagine yourself? Where do you imagine your life structure looking like? It's funny because it's like, where do I imagine it? And where do I wish it were? Okay. And <laughs> these are two completely different things. Um, what I would love, because for a time I was trying to figure out if I was poly, mm-hmm. you know, if I was, if I was capable of being polyamorous and, and maybe I could, but like I said, I know my bandwidth yeah. and, and what I can give. And I'm already struggling with finding time for myself mm-hmm. with as much time as I try to give to these two women in my life you know, and trying to make everybody feel like they've gotten enough. And and often my time for myself ends up getting sacrificed. But I've thought about this and like where I wish it could be is that I would be in like a triad or something like, Mm. you know, with with my wife and my sub, because like their sex drives are very similar. Hmm. And my sex drive is driven by kink. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was, when I was talking to you, you know, in the other um, episode, I was like, I had never felt sexual attraction before. And I was just like, oh my God, this feeling. And like, what happens if you get to have sex and you have that feeling accompanying <laughs> it? And is it addicting? And I have found that it's quite addicting. Yeah. <laughs> now, that I've, now that I've gotten a chance to experience it, it's like, I'll be sitting there and just my mind will start thinking about it. And I'm just shaking. It's like, I have this need to engage and it's, mm. it's insane. And it, I've never felt anything like that. And I have that with my sub. Um, at the same time, it's just like, if we think about like being in a relationship, that would probably be like the most toxic thing like ever. Like it just would not work. But, but you know, you like, you just, you just realize the reality of the situation. It's like that a relationship would never work. But like, 
as long as you don't need 100% attention from me mm-hmm. or like, you know, 50% attention from me, even they could take care of each other sexually. She and I could take care of each other, like, you know, uh, BDSM <laughs> and kink wise, you know, and everybody could maybe get what they want. And I'm yeah. like, Oh my God, we could all be together. It'd be amazing. Um, <laughs> you know? And then like, when I want my alone time and I just want to go watch basketball or something, y'all can go hang out. <laughs> But, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, it, it's wild. And I just think it can be so hard to just be two people in a relationship. Mm. And, and that's where I'd love it, you know, to be. But where it probably will be in two years is my sub bristles at the confines of what she has to stay in, mm. in our dynamic. And at some point, I'm sure she'll get frustrated by it. Mm-hmm. and want to go on and, and find her own thing. And I, and I told her, I'm fine with that. You mm-hmm. have to find your happiness. I'd love it if we could still be engaging. And, you know, my wife and I will still be together. I'm sure we, neither one of us wants this to end. We're just struggling on trying to figure out how to make this work because, and this is where the animosity comes in for her. She loves me to death. I know she does. I love her to death, but she's so angry with me because when she cheated on me all those years ago, I told her, you have to cut that person off Mm. period. Mm -hmm. They were really good friends. And then they chose to go that route. And I was like, you have to cut that person off. And she did to the detriment of both of them mentally and emotionally. And I understand that differently now. And if I had my level of understanding now that, you know, but but back then I would have handled that a lot differently. Mm -hmm. And so now she's, you know, looking at this situation with me and my sub and she's like, I'm not comfortable with it. I need you to cut them off and I am not doing it. Mm -hmm. So there's this animosity where she's like, when you asked, I did it. Yeah. And now I'm asking and you're not. Yeah. That's a problem. And I know like she's been so angry with me, like you're so selfish and you're so this and you're that. And my thing is like, do you know how long it took me to get here, Mm -hmm. to get to this place of understanding and finally getting to feel the things that everybody else gets to feel. And it's amazing. And finding clarity and all of that. And you want me to cut it off. When it's not a threat to you, that is not fair to me. And it's just been, it's, it's been a lot of difficult conversations. So in two years, I'd like to think we'll still be here together, maybe finding a better way to communicate with each other about this, maybe more openness, you know, more, more levity. Mm-hmm. But I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. I, I, I know that this is not, the solution to any of that. But I am curious if you have invited her to get back in touch with that person and bring them back into her life. I did. Yep. And has she done that? Yep. She did. Um, You know, and I told her it was like one of our, our frank conversations where I was just like, look, I asked her, I said, are you in love with her? Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't know. Mm. And I said, okay. And I was just like, however you feel, I don't feel threatened. Mm -hmm. If you want to leave and you want to leave, hopefully you want to stay with me because of what I offer you and our life together and all of that. I'm not the jealous type. I never have been. 
my issue with her back then was that she did it behind my back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not that she you knows so much that she did. I wish that she hadn't. And I wish that we could have talked more and come to an agreement, but I've never really been a jealous person. And so I was, I was just like, if you think that that would help you to get back in contact with her, you know, go ahead and do that. And, you know, there's some kind of looking at it like you just want me to do that so you can justify, you know, mm-hmm. doing what the and I can't do anything about if you feel that way. Yeah. She did end up getting back in touch with her and their whole it's like how I said with my sub a relationship would never work because we'd just be toxic. It's the same <laughs> thing with them. Like uh-huh. y'all just need to be friends who fuck. Yeah. Like every so often. But relationships and stuff it gets it gets difficult but they they did get back in in contact well i'm i'm glad that you are having the conversations you're having even though they're difficult my wife is frustrated because she feels like there's things i'm feeling i'm not telling her there's things i'm doing and i'm not telling her and 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 she just wants me to be open and honest because when we first started having these dust-ups and disagreements, her thing was, whatever you're doing, I just want to be informed. Mm-hmm. I want to go along with you. And that's right. And that's one of the things that's come out in, in couples therapy is we spent so long in our relationship with the message being that the sex issue was mine to resolve. Mm-hmm. It was my problem. It was my issue. I was the source of it. She always wanted to have sex. I never wanted to have sex. Mm-hmm. So it was my issue to fix. It's my fault something was wrong with me, 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 my, 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 my. So then my thing became, well, if BDSM is a solution, it's my solution. Hmm. I don't need to bring you along because this is all being done in an effort for me to fix what is wrong with me. And this is all for me to find what I really want and what's going on with me. And it was so long the message being that it was my issue to fix. Well, then if I find this fixed, then that is mine as well. Hmm. So it, it's hard to change that mindset to now bring you in and give you all the details and keep you informed. It's like this stuff that I'm doing and I already know, because like I said, I'm into like sadomasochism, receiving and giving pain. Mm-hmm. Huge. I love it. And my wife is just like, you know, when I'm talking to her about maybe doing it with me. She's like, who wants to do? Nobody wants, who wants to do? It's just a really judgmental way of speaking mm-hmm. about it. And it's like, that's another way of othering me and my desires to be like, who in their right mind wants to do that kind of, well, I do. Mm-hmm. And there's other people who do. So like when there's all this messaging kind of around it, that doesn't gel well with me suddenly being open and energetic to yeah. talk to you and, and bring you into, you know what I mean? And so it's a lot of ways she feels like this became my thing that I'd shut her out of. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to kind of figure out and resolve. Yeah. So there's one more aspect that I want to make sure we touch on, which is the bisexual piece. Mm-hmm. Are you or have you engaged with people of other genders? I have not. No. And I haven't felt the need to or the desire. I remember I was I was in a restaurant, I was picking up, you know, some food or whatever. It's just really attractive. 
a guy came up to me <laughs> and like, it, you know, he came up and he starts talking to me and he's like, Hey, I, I dig your body art and, and stuff like that. And I was like, well, thank you. And I'm sitting there like, you don't have to do much. I will, I will let you in my pants. Like, <laughs> you don't like, you know, but you know, I was just like, yeah, let's talk kind of thing. But, you know, he just kind of left it at all. Oh, you know, I like your body art and, you know, we kind of chopped it up a little bit and, uh, and then he went on his way and I was like, damn it, man. No, <laughs> you just, you don't know, but, um, you know, but he went on his way, but, um, but that there hasn't been a lot, honestly, in terms of temptation or desire or anything like that. And then the pandemic came and I wasn't really going out to restaurants or anything anyway, or going to social settings anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and then I ended up meeting my sub and engaging with her. And that took a lot of my time and my energy and in a lot of ways, it feeds me in a way that I don't feel a need mm -hmm. to. But, you know, I still refer to myself as bisexual because I don't want to shut that part off. Yeah. And I think it's so important to recognize that we can have attractions that we don't necessarily act on. Right. We can be bisexual and still only engage with one gender or a part mm -hmm. portion of the gender spectrum um, that that does not negate Exactly. Your bisexuality, my bisexuality. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, I, I know that at any point in time, that desire can spring up and pop up. And I'm, it's just, I'm open to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But actually acting on it, there hasn't been a desire or a need to yeah. at this point. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation you can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex 
to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. You know, like I said, you know, I'd be having, you know, ha- having sex with my wife and just be able to go on for hours. Like it, it's the most insane thing for somebody who never really liked sex mm-hmm. to be able to just keep going. And my wife was just like, no one can go as long as you. Mm-hmm. And then I met my sub and she can. Mm-hmm. Our most recent time together, you know, we had. Just like one particular day, we spent like eight hours together or something like that. And the whole time we were fucking. And it was just like, <laughs> it was just, it was just like insane, like, you know, mixing of, of all these different elements and, and stuff and desire and everything. And we talked about it afterwards. And it was the first time that I ever had kind of uh, times where I blacked out mm. during, during sex. Like I wasn't passed out, mm-hmm. but I didn't remember things. And so we'd be talking and she would say something. And I was like, what? When did we do that? Mm. And then we'd talk a little bit more and I'd say something. And she was like, when did we do that? Mm. And we just, we, it's like being swept up in this vortex of primal sexual energy. And it's, it's like being on autopilot almost where you're not even like really thinking while you're doing this feeling and, and, and progressing, doing things. And, and it's just this amazing level of sex and intimacy that I have never had mm-hmm. before in my life. And it inspires me to want to kind of open myself up more intimately i'm I, like i generally avoid intimacy like i just oh god I hate Vulner- <laughs> like, <laughs> vulnerability all that stuff the hate vulnerability but um it's opened me up to being that way in, in ways that i never really thought about being and it makes me want to come in this realm in only this sexual realm makes me want to be more open and vulnerable and do more and explore more. And it's a very different relationship with sex than I've ever had. Mm. It's fascinating to me to hear you say, um, you know, avoiding vulnerability, avoiding that sort of openness. When you find yourself in a situation where you have said the two different Michelle's have sort of diverged again Mm -hmm. because you don't get to experience all of yourself in any one place. So it's not just avoiding vulnerability and intimacy with other people. It's Mm kind of like you're avoiding vulnerability and intimacy with yourself too. Yeah. I'll buy that. (laughs) And, And I don't say that with any sort of judgment. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing if this is where your comfort level is right now. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I say when I'm working with clients and they come back and they're like, I didn't do my homework. I'm terrible. I'm all, no, we were just pushing too far too fast. Like Mm -hmm. if you didn't do this, there's a reason you didn't do it, which is that you weren't ready. If you're not ready to experience that level of vulnerability and intimacy with another person, let alone with yourself, it's okay to be where you are. Yeah, indeed. And it's sometimes it feels disconcerting, just the amount that I've felt 
and experienced, you know, in these these times where I'm with my sub and stuff because of what it opens up in me and makes me think about and feel. And then comparing it to just my whole life, whole life's thought processes in terms of sex and, and how I relate it to it. And it's like, hey, you're not actually that way. Wherever you got that idea from, that's not you. Mm. You are actually this way. And that actually more jibes with these other things that felt very disconnected. It's just disconcerting to have it be in a whole other part of myself that I don't get to engage in every day. Yeah. Because there's that other side of me that is primary Michelle. It's just like, you know, that's that's where I 80% of where I am. And then there's this other part. And it's just, it's got me thinking a lot about relationships and, and everything. Because I was super duper like a romantic type back when I was, like I said, you know, another thing. I watched a lot of TV and everything. I was just a very uh, kind of Hollywood romantic kind of person and everything. And I've come to think about relationships in an entirely different way in this exploration of myself and what I want and the type of relationship structure I want and everything. And I remember I heard this woman talking about the concept of monogamy and how it hadn't evolved with the ways that our access to technology and everything else had evolved. And so people were kind of straining against the confines of monogamy. And unfortunately, all the people are engaging in it in unethically, right? Mm-hmm. But I've kind of come around to the idea that I'm not sure that one person can always or is even meant to fulfill the needs of another person. Yeah. You know, it puts a lot of weight on that person. Yeah. To be, you're the one, you know, Hollywood yes. pushes the romantic, exactly. the, I found the one. <laughs> and it's like, but you know what they don't talk about is what happens when you found the one and it's still not enough. Yeah. And there's still like one element or two elements or a whole portion of yourself or something that's not being fed mm-hmm. by that person who you just thought was the one. And it makes it seem like, well, you better go and find another the one. Mm-hmm. Like my only options can't be stay in this, this relationship that is not completely fulfilling. It's unfulfilling in some major ways mm-hmm. or totally leave this person and start over fresh. Yep. Those can't be the only mess, but those are the only ones that we get. It's like monogamy or else. Yeah. And it's like, well, 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 what else, man? Like what happens if I have this person that is amazing in all these ways, but in this one particular way, they don't feed me and I don't feed them. Mm-hmm. You mean to say that the only options we have then is to stay here and be unfulfilled and be sad or be heartbroken, hurt, resentful, or divorce each other and give up everything else that we have and try and find it again. And who knows how long it'll take? Why is that the message? And, and like, they never talk about what do you do to get that other part of yourself fulfilled? Mm -hmm. How do you make that work and still keep your relationship? And so I don't know that monogamy is, I don't think monogamy works for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's hard, you know, when you've got married to another person under the auspices of, of monogamy. Yeah. Like this is just, yes, we're going to do this thing where we're monogamous and faithful to each other, you know, all the time. What happens when that doesn't work anymore? Mm-hmm. And how do you change that when you, that's the agreement when you got married? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. 
I don't know either, but I do know that I spent my life thinking because monogamy was the only thing that I ever saw growing up, mm-hmm. or at least apparent monogamy. I'm not actually exactly. sure that that's exactly. what was going on. <laughs> right. But that was the only thing that I knew. Mm-hmm. And so I assumed that was the only ethical option. And yeah. now having gone through the last five years and everything that I've experienced, as much as I love my partner, and it, he is my primary person, he is my primary sexual partner, my romantic partner, and all of that, the idea of going through my life without ever touching another mm-hmm. person is no longer acceptable to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, they don't teach us how to navigate that or even that it's an option or like, you know, how to, how to do it in a way that is agreeable to everybody that's involved. You know what I mean? To do it ethically and to do it in a way that leaves everybody feeling whole and healthy. Right. And it's like generally from a male perspective that it's like, okay, for you to just sneak out and go get your, you know, your groove on with somebody else and then come back to your home and, and all that stuff. And, you know, but it's wrong for women (laughs) to, to do that kind of thing. But it's like, how about it's just not the way to do it. Period. But like, I, I'm in groups where like you start talking about non-monogamy and there's like pressure on the men to not accept that from their women. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's, that's not cool. We have to get to this place where we all speak about this thing. Like we all have only one life to live and it's our job to make sure that we're getting all of our needs fulfilled. And that's okay. If we need more than one person to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So long as you're, everybody's in agreement and you're not hurting anybody. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And so that's the difficult thing that my wife and I are going through is this whole, how do we change this now from being this understood, held up by society definition of a monogamous marriage, you know, to being something that actually more works for the both of us. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I, uh, I saw this tweet that was like monogamy in this economy. Like if you <laughs> like <laughs> you have another person to help you pay these bills, shit. Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's interesting because we also used to live in a world where people would find a job, a career and do it for 40 or 50 years yep. until it was time to retire. Now yep. you'd be you can't hard afford pressed to, do that. to find anyone mm-hmm. who has done that, let alone is able financially to do in, that. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, when I was listening to this, it just everything financially, you know, things have changed and, and everything. But like I was listening to this doctor speak and she was saying that so much has changed except for the concept of monogamy mm. as the primary goal relationships she was like back in the day you might live to like 40 something or 50 something yeah so if you got with a person you weren't going to live that long with them anyway (laughs) so you know you couldn't really travel you rode your horse and buggy you know for some mile like a five mile radius or something like you're in the town with everybody you knew and you didn't really travel and there were no options well now medicine has made us live decades longer Decades longer, we have access to internet technology that not only exposes us to different people, to meet different people as dating options, but to also find different interests. 
You're not limited to this one small area where everybody kind of, you know, interacts in the same things and and likes the same things. And and these are your only people and you can't really get out to meet other people. Now we're living way longer. You have access to more interests and more people as options. But we're supposed to now take all of this and still be with one person and have that one person (laughs) now instead of like 20 or 30 years now we're talking about 80 years with them and never want anything more or or (laughs) interactive like how realistic is that man like it and so the concept of monogamy has not grown with the lifespan it's how lifespans have grown and access to, to people dating options and and travel options. You know, we can go further. You're driving more than five miles to get to your job. Like you just, you know what I mean? Like that all these things have changed except for this concept of monogamy and it's still pushed as the primary thing. And and nobody talks about what do you do when it feels like it no longer fits? Do you just feel like a failure? Mm. You know what I mean? Like I tried this marriage and it didn't work or I kept screwing it up and I kept doing this thing. And it's like, maybe monogamy just wasn't for you. And nobody ever told you that. And instead of carrying this weight of feeling like an, an utter failure, according to society's terms, there's nothing wrong with you. Like there's a lot of guilt that goes with that. And even with my own interests, I had a lot of guilt about that. It's like, shit, I may be destroying my marriage yeah. over something that I'm feeling this strongly about. I don't feel like I'm just fucking around. I don't feel like it's just something like a frivolous thing. It's a need that I have and I feel feel it strong enough that I'm willing to stand here in this storm and tell my wife, no, I am not cutting this per as much as I love you and I love you to death and I will lay down my life for you in any number of ways, but I am not giving this person up Yeah, because I, I don't, I'm, I don't see any other reason other than it will help you with your insecurity. Mm-hmm. That's not fair enough for all it will take away from me. Mm-hmm. Because like I told her, I said, I'm I'm in these groups and I have been out there trying to find other play partners and stuff and and things like that to try and make that work. It's extremely hard because now it's not just what are y'all into sexually BDSM wise, kink wise, what kind of personality are you? Can I trust you? Mm -hmm. You know, are you safe? Mm -hmm. Can you tell that I'm safe? You know, it's COVID protocols. How do you carry yourself? Do you take COVID seriously? Because I do. Mm -hmm. And how many people are getting like tossed out of your dating pool as options because they, oh, it's a conspiracy or it's a, you know what I mean? And it's like, no, like you're out there being careless. And now I'm supposed to get here and swap body fluids or spit or whatever with you. Mm -hmm. I can't trust like this stuff is dead, like life and death now. You know what I mean? And so, and now there's this whole other thing we have to also add in and consider well i have this person here that matches all of that and you want me to get rid of that and who knows how long it would take me to find everything this person offers me only because you feel like you should be the sole owner of my heart Mm. and my love Mm -hmm. but you're not hurting for anything I'm not neglecting you. 
you just don't like the presence of this person. It's heavy. Yeah. But that's what happens when you've spent decades together under this idea of monogamy mm-hmm. as, as the source of your, your relationship. Yeah. So I want to ask you one final question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is sort of a reimagination of the question I usually ask at the end of interviews, hmm. uh, which is if you could go back and talk to your childhood self or your teenage self, what would you like her to know instead? Because we've already answered that question. (laughs) What would you like to go back and say to yourself two or three years ago? What misconceptions would you like to disabuse yourself of from two or three years ago? It's funny. I actually would like to go back to earlier than that. Okay. Because what I would tell myself is take your time exploring your options. Mm. Don't shut anything out. Don't listen to what, oh, that's taboo. So don't think about it like that. Because in some elements, you know, elements of of kink and, and sadomasochism and all that stuff have always been an interest to me. And I never knew where to go with that. Yeah. Like, you know, bury that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, and I think that had I spent more time, particularly in my early twenties, instead of kind of just fucking around and and eventually getting with my wife, had I spent more time exploring my own relationship with sex Mm -hmm. and, and what I desired what I was truly interested, what I wasn't, what I was doing just because society said do that, um, what I was avoiding because society said don't do that, but I actually had an interest in it. And just being open with myself, I would go back and tell that person, before you start getting into a lifetime of just having sex in a way that folks tell you is the way you should be having sex, even though it's unfulfilling, take all the time you need to really be honest with yourself about what you want, what you desire. Because at this point, I'm impacting a lifetime of a marriage Mm -hmm. because I chose to start doing that digging and that exploring in my 40s. You know what I mean? Whereas like, had I taken more time and knew what I needed or knew what I wanted, maybe in my mid-20s or something, when I met my wife, I could have been like, are you cool with this? Cause this is a thing that I'm into and it would be known from the beginning instead of upending everything this far in, yeah. you know, um, as far as just three years ago or so, it would have to be probably more like four years um, mm-hmm. time-wise, but it would be like, Hey, take a minute, this whole thing with your wife, be a little bit more understanding about that. Mm. But I guess a little bit more, I mean, a lot more. Um, don't fly off the handle because of your pride and how you feel like you were lied to and played like a fool. There's something deeper here. It was not about you, mm-hmm. but some part of this is. So let her do what she needs to do. And you take this time then, instead of it feeling like, the only reason I'm okay with her being open is because I want to go out and do my own thing now. And mm-hmm. you know, where was that some years ago, <laughs> yeah. you know, when, when it really could have helped, it's like, no, she's opened this pathway, let her go and do her thing and find some fulfillment. And you use this time 
to focus on what you want. And then y'all can come together and have a completely different open and honest conversation. Yeah. It might've saved out of the heartbreak of where we are right now. Mm-hmm. I love that. Michelle, thank you so much. I have loved having this conversation with you. Thank you. I was like, man, that, that other conversation is hard to follow up with. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, it's a tough act to follow. <laughs> you know, and then it's like when I know when I'm aware of how much change has happened in this time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not so lighthearted and everything now. It's a <laughs> lot of change going on, like some really serious stuff. I'm like, woo, it's, a woo. it's like a A to Z conversation. Like it's totally like opposite ends of the spectrum yeah, conversation. It really but is. It's weird, but you know, that's, that's the life. That's the life that I have. And I'm trying at this point to figure out how to merge them these pieces back together so I can really feel settled and whole. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts Or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirls talk about sex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at goodgirlstalk for more sex-positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs> <laughs>